Part 2 of our look at the history of the NBA trade deadline rolls on, this time 1999 through 2008. Not only do we speculate about Dikembe Mutombo's age, we reflect on MIRC, ICQ, geopolitical posturings, even a Rick Mail reference. Let's go. It's 6.39 on Tuesday, the 6th of February, 2024. Really, really quick one at the top here. Just Nath. Just wanted to, I guess, remind everyone that we recorded this nearly 12 months ago now. So some things have obviously changed. The T-Wolves have a few more playoff wins since the three we referred to here. Also, obviously, Brandon Miller in the end was the second overall pick in the NBA draft. Some of the stuff we talked about with the issues he had at Alabama have already been forgotten by many. But anyway, I won't talk too much more now. Here we go. So, Stewie, at the turn of the century, we have some very juicy trades, don't we? Why two trades? Yeah, another title. Also good, very good trades, though. Kicking off the 1999, let's say, well, the Lakers. I think this might have been quite an even trade, actually. Eddie Jones and Eldon Campbell to the Hornets for Glenn Rice, J.R. Reid, and B.J. Armstrong. B.J. Armstrong, who you mentioned in the previous episode, shouldn't have started ahead of Tim Hardaway. That's right. Yes. I stick by that. Card. No, no, you're right. You're absolutely <laughs> right. And actually, now that I think about it, how long was Eddie Jones in Charlotte? Because he went to Miami on that big deal. So maybe it wasn't a very good trade. Anyway, let's let's talk about this one. So I remember going back to the 1990 redraft special that we did, and we were talking about Eldon Campbell. This was a trade that the Lakers fans absolutely hated at the time. She had Eldon Campbell, who was a fan favorite. Eddie Jones was an all-star but ultimately, the team prioritised the development of Kobe Bryant, and rightfully so, as it turned out. They, yeah, well, they had an excess needs at shooting guard, yeah. yeah. Yeah, they made the right call, as it turned out. And so they moved Jones, Kobe's minutes increase, he blossoms into arguably a top 10 player of all time, 30 points a game three times, 25 or more, another nine times. One of, yeah, as I say, the top 10 players of all time, I would say he'd be certainly right up there. Oh, yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, towards the bottom of the top 10, yeah. probably, yeah. Yep. Just below Tim Duncan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How about that? Definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, on top of that, Rice gives them a little bit more shooting for a couple of seasons. The Lakers ultimately three-peat as a result of that, and Rice is a part of it. Uh, Rice was a very important piece on that team. Very important. Mm. And still put up good numbers with the Lakers, too. Yep. When you look at the stats. I mean, he was, what, 17-odd points at yeah, one point? about 17 and a half, I think. Yeah. Was, yeah, so quite a few. And, and look, he was always one of the best pure scorers in the league. I mean, you're talking about a guy who is often playing a small forward, but could ultimately play the four given his size. I mean, he was, what, 6'9"? His jump shot was way above his head. He shot an actual jump shot quite a lot as well, so guys could really get to it. And a good player to pass to out of a double, be it Kobe or Shaq. Yes. And and one of those players that the Lakers, the perfect fit around Kobe and Shaq. So obviously not identical to Robert Ory, but there's some similarities with Robert Ory. Rick Fox, there's some similarities. I was thinking Robert Ory before you yeah. said it as well. I was like, that is exactly who I was thinking of. Not as you say, not because they're the same caliber of player. But they could they could knock down the three and they could knock down a big three. Yes. And this was around the time when it's it's not that long after Glenn Rice, speaking of all-star games that was held recently uh in Salt Lake, comma, Utah. Yes, uh, useful. <laughs> um when Glenn Rice had what was it, 20 and a quarter in the All-Star game? I think it was, yeah, A couple of seasons before? Third, third quarter in 97. I 97 think or 98, yeah. Yeah, 97, yeah. yeah All-Star MVP, which yes. is certainly, uh, well... Back when it meant, it meant something. something. Back when it meant something. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes, love it. <laughs> now, Charlotte. Ugh. I mean, this made no difference to the Hornets, really. Like, 
look, on paper, it's a decent trade, but they needed Eddie Jones to stay. But it made no difference to them. They continued to win about 55% of their game. They made conference semifinals without ever getting past it. And they've only been to the playoffs three times since 2002, twice being swept. So, yeah, they didn't get Jones staying long. I think, he, yeah, as you say, he buggered off to Miami not long after that. Yeah, signed that big match with Miami. So he played two seasons with Charlotte. 17 one year, 20 the other. Yeah, good numbers. Yeah, about four or five rebounds. He had 2.7 steals with Charlotte. I think led the league in 99-2000. It was always really good. He was, yeah, always a good good multidimensional, played both. Yeah, one of those players that a lot of young people these days wouldn't know much about, but had a really good career. Mm. Really good career. What I think is funny about this trade, though, is that ultimately it's the second time the Lakers fucked the Hornets in a trade. (laughs) <laughs> bloody D-back and Kobe. Yeah. Exactly. So they make that trade on draft day 96. And yeah, I mean, we know the Lakers won that one by... Country mile. Even more. Like yeah. how many countries miles? Yeah. yeah. Like they won it by the length of Russia, basically. <laughs> it was just ridiculous. And then they go in and they basically, yeah, clear enough room for that trade to become even better. They unlocked it with another trade effectively and go on and win three straight championships. And could have been even more if Shaq had wanted to stay around and not go to Miami. There's so many could have been with those Charlotte teams, particularly, I think. They they didn't they they drafted so many good players. They had so many good players on that team, but they just never really did much with it. Even around that time when they had Jamal Mashburn and Baron Davis, we'll talk about him. Yeah. Yeah. Hard to be a Charlotte Hornets fan. Advantage LA. Advantage big time. Now there was another big one in 1999. This one was even bigger. Because it involved many players and three teams. But no one bigger than Elliot Perry. <laughs> well, he had long socks. He did. So the Milwaukee Bucks traded Terrell Brandon to the Minnesota Timberwolves, as well as aforementioned Elliot Perry to the New Jersey Nets, who traded Sam Cassell and Chris Gatling to the Bucks. I forget, Gatling went to the Bucks, as well as Brian Evans and future draft considerations to the Timberwolves, while Minnesota traded Chris Carr, Bill Curley, and Steph Marbury to the Nets as well as Paul Grant to the Bucks. Oops. Yeah. It's a big trade. It is a big trade. Two of the best point guards in the league at that time. Well, in three. Terrell Brandon and Steph Marbury. Three, really? Oh, uh, I'd put Cassell maybe on the next tier. Dude, but he was a very dude, handy Cassell player. Was, oh, he was very good. Yeah, he was very good. Cassell was very good for that Bucks team, man. He was really good. I, I Yeah, and I think... Yeah, okay, yeah, well, maybe I, I need to yeah, go back I and... Think, I think you might be underestimating. Yeah, him. yeah. Well, this, oh, this is that dark period, Stewie, where so little was on TV. True. And all yeah. the stuff that was on was basically the Bulls. Yeah, well, the way we followed was through the internet. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, this trade, this was massive. I, I remember this one like it was yesterday. And it all came down to Kevin Garnett, basically. KG signs the biggest contract in league history at the time, that $126 million beast of a deal. Yep. And it meant the Wolves could, quote, only, end quote, offer Marbury $71 million, which is still <laughs> a lot of money, but he felt like he was worth a max deal and he couldn't get it. But he did always want to go home to New York State too. Oh, he did. I mean, he made it very well known that he hated being in Minnesota because it was so fucking cold. Well, still is. Yeah. And not that New Jersey is technically New York State, but it's close to New York State. Fucking cold there too. I was going to say, yeah, not that it's, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. exactly like California or yeah. Hawaii, but... <laughs> But uh, yeah, Steph and his camp, they they took that as a bit of a slight and he demands a trade. Something similar happened in Milwaukee with Ray Allen signing a max extension and Terrell Brandon couldn't get close to what he thought he was worth. And 
they feared losing him for nothing. And so Terrell Brandon's one of the underrated players of that generation. Pretty handy player. Yeah, very handy. Pretty handy. Well, didn't he lead the league in assists or uh, came close? He would have been close, but I don't yeah. think, I don't think he ever led. Well, I mean, you gotta remember that's still in John Stockton. Oh, yeah, days. sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's very oh, and even guys like Mark Jackson and yeah. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then Bucks general manager Bob Winehow wanted Sam Cassell, and that's kind of how the deal went down. And if you, I mean, if you look at the three teams, they all kind of had very different successes. The Bucks were amazing. They had Cassell, Ray Allen, Glenn Robinson. Okay, they only got past the first round once, but when they did, they got all the way to Game Seven of the Conference Finals, and geez, they lost the game. That was one of the most controversial games. That was like what they call the this like the stepsister of the Kings Lakers series. I don't know. Obviously, the Larry Johnson Knicks Pacers one as well, but. That, yeah, that's a single moment though. This whole series. Let, let me run you through this in case you haven't seen. This. I do vaguely remember. I remember Game Seven, but uh, yeah, okay, yeah, let's the, go. The foul count for the series was one hundred and eighty-six to one hundred and twenty. Yeah, okay. That is a plus sixty-six. Nearly ten more fouls a game. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Like that, that can't happen, especially when you consider that not all of the games are being played in Philly. So that was ridiculous. Games one and four that were won by the Sixers. Game one involved a controversial lane violation. And game four, there were some really keen on calls down the stretch of that one that, that kind of ultimately led to Philly winning that. And you can't help but think if that Milwaukee Bucks team might have put up more of a challenge to those Lakers team. Oh, they were very versatile. They had more than one player, mm. basically. Do you know, this is how bad it was. Glenn Robinson, who notoriously a very, very high-volume scorer, notoriously shot decent amounts of free throws, did not take a single free throw in that series until game five. Wow. Wow. Ridiculous. Yeah, okay. So, yeah, see, uh, so so we were, what, we're in year 11 when this happened. So, yeah, I do forget some of this. Interesting. Okay. Well, yeah. to be fair, I don't, did they have internet in Adelaide at the time? <laughs> That's a that's a pretty shallow shot from someone living in Perth. Well, I was going to say, like, with, so how did we stay in contact when I lived in Adelaide? Uh, <laughs> IRC, snail mail. <laughs> no, MIRC. There's a lot, yeah. of, a lot of smoke signals. Yeah, well, yeah. No, a bit of smoke in Adelaide. Yeah. Yes, that's very very true. No, so this. As I a, still remember my ICQ number, one one four two two seven one zero. There you go. If anyone still has access to ICQ, <laughs> yeah, you've you just got to just got to guess his password. <laughs> yeah. I, I couldn't even tell you what my password is. Now, the Timberwolves, that, this was another interesting sort of period for the Timberwolves. So I really loved those Timberwolves teams with KG, Steph, and Tom Gugliotta. So I was disappointed when he left. But Terrell Brandon was a very good piece to pick up. And, and they were still good teams. The death of Malik Seeley was a big one. That was. That yeah. was tough. That was. And, and look, the Timberwolves teams, they always made the playoffs. They just they always lost in the first round. I don't know what it was. It was, it was actually once they got Sam Cassell later on that they started making that push up towards the conference finals. Well, it helped to have Sprewell on that team too, of and course. Mark Madsen as well. <laughs> and I think Dean Garrett might have been on that team. Yeah. Who we spoke about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I think I think he was already on that team by 99. So he might have been, yeah. I'm pretty sure he was. Yeah, he would have been, actually. Yeah. yeah. So their success ultimately came in 2003 when they traded Anthony Peeler and Joe Smith to Milwaukee for, as I mentioned, Sam Cassell and Irvin Johnson. Yes. So that sort of who ultimately took them to that next level. Irvin, don't call me Magic Johnson. Yes. The center, not the point guard. Yeah, he was very much a center. (laughs) No moves at all. But uh, yeah, KG, MVP of the league. They lost to the Lakers in the conference finals in six. 20 years since that, the Wolves have won just three total playoff games. Ouch. Not great. 
and they've drafted a lot of high players too. They have a lot and of by high, yeah, I'm trying to high think, picks. Trying to think who was the druggies on that. So. <laughs> oh dear. Now Marbury, I mean, he turned into a borderline superstar with the Nets, made an all-star team, featured on a ton of highlight reels, but he didn't make the team better. No. And that was always one of the knocks on him that he had great handles. He was this great kind of New York playground kid who who would wow the crowd, but not necessarily turn it into wins. And I think even in Phoenix, you could argue same applied. Well, this is it. I mean, if you look at the Nets, they didn't have a single season above a 38% winning record with him. He then gets traded in 2001 for Jason Kidd. The Nets go back-to-back final series, basically uh, against the Lakers and then the Spurs. And and he look, he did have some good some good games with Phoenix, and he played obviously with that young Amari Stoudemire. So that was a that was a fun team too, Sean Marion and whatnot. The, the Rajar Bell, the Frank Johnson skippity hop. Yeah, yes, that's right. Yes, for yes. People that probably well <laughs> for anyone who doesn't understand that, which will be anyone but me and Nath. After that game, so it was a game one. Marbury hits this bank three off one foot. Yeah, it's kind of a runner, wasn't it? it almost. Was, yeah. yeah. And Frank Johnson basically skips and hops his way across the court in this celebration and we've just always referred to it as the skippity hobbity yeah yeah well which is a bottom reference there you go from the cannonball taffio jones the cricket episode <laughs> wow that, that's where skippity hobbity comes yeah yeah going down a well here yeah there. yeah speaking of bottom rick mail do you remember a show called grim tales nope. oh okay i found it on youtube and there's all of grim tales on youtube anyway well yeah check it out there you go yeah there you go so marbury played two yeah we would say great seasons with the suns Four seasons on the decline with New York, and then a really painful to watch half season in Boston. And I, yeah, I completely forgot about the Boston season. Yeah, that's completely. Lucky you. Yeah, yeah. But then he goes on and pretty much becomes the goat of the Chinese league. <laughs> I, I respect. We've been a bit of a trailblazer in that regard. Yeah, him. I respect what he did there because he opened what... the door for Dwight Howard to go in the Taiwanese three point shootout. Yes, in Asian leagues. Yeah. Yeah. Now you made me hate his legacy. Even though it's <laughs> not even the same country. Actually, don't tell China that. No, I was <laughs> going to say, yeah. yeah that's, that's really fraught, that one. Yeah. Uh, maybe it is the same. <laughs> no. So I guess this is one of the first ones where I actually have to ask the question, who won this trade? Oh, man. It's really tough, isn't it? Because a lot of the players went on to other teams after the fact. Oh, it's tough. This is really tough. Maybe the Nets marginally? I don't know. Maybe the Timberwolves yeah. marginally. I, yeah, but this is what I'm saying. I, yeah. This is, I think, one of the few that I actually can't come up with a winner for. I actually don't know who won. Which is a good trade in a sense. So. Yeah, I, I went maybe Milwaukee because of the years that Cassell, Allen, and Robinson had. But, yeah, I mean, you could make a case for all of them. How long was Chris Gatling at the Bucks? Not a bit long. 15 seconds, probably. Yeah. yeah. Not, not, not long. Not long. No. No. Do you know, this was actually the second time that Stefan Marbury massively impacted the Bucks organization. He was drafted by Milwaukee and traded on draft night for Ray Allen. A lot of people forget that. I completely forgot. Yeah. Although a lot of these draft day trades, teams are selecting for other teams, so it's not quite like a normal trade. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. But, yeah, there you go. It's still interesting. Yeah, it's very interesting. If they just turned around and flipped them off and gone, yeah, hey, yeah. we're keeping him. Like, yeah. Wow. There you go. So it was Milwaukee in trades on uh, draft night. Track the trailer for Dirk Nowitzki. Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> Again, though, I'm pretty sure that was a picked four situation. So, Oh, dear. Yes, yes. And I look forward to talking about Ray Allen again soon, too. Now, another biggie, Shui. 2001, the Atlanta Hawks traded Dikembe Mutombo. I won't say all the other names. 
and Rashawn McLeod to the 76ers for Theo Ratliff, Tony Kukoc, Nazir Muhammad, and Pepe Sanchez. Pepe! Now, as we know, Takembi was a big part in helping get that 76ers team to the NBA Finals with Alan Iverson. Key side note here, this was the first year that I had a cell phone. Ah. Why yeah. do I call it a cell phone? A mobile because, phone. Well, no, no. The, the technology relates to cells. So it is a cell phone. Sure. But we just call it a mobile phone here in Australia. There you yeah. go. But yeah, first year I had one. There you go. There you go. Back in the days when you had to really scrimp Play over. Play snake. Do, yeah. Like, <laughs> do, do I actually want to send a text here because it's going to cost me 40 25 cents. Oh, yeah. $57 <laughs> or whatever it is. Yeah. Anyway. Oh, there you go. Grizzles around this trade and not like Vancouver Grizzles, but uh, no, a lot of people not happy with this one felt like Philly gave up way too much to get Matombo. And this is one of these ones where obviously hindsight's twenty twenty, and we know that they did actually win this trade. But at that time, Ratliff had just been named an all-star. Okay, he didn't get to play in it because he fractured his wrist. And- That's the thing. So this was a window trade. This was a win-now trade for Philly. And because Theo Ratliff was injured, they had to. They probably felt like they had to make this deal. Yeah. And it turned out to be a very good decision. But I do want to highlight a couple of other things about Ratliff that makes this even riskier a trade. He led the league that year in shot loss at 3.7. Oh, he was a beast defensively. Incredible. Yeah. Which with Dikembe. So yeah. two of the great shot blockers that time. Yeah. And the other thing as well is that he was at least seven years younger than Matombo. I mean, no one knows how old <laughs> yes. he actually was. But Yes. Dikembe is now 97. <sighs> Who knows? So, yeah, really risky move at the time. I mean, risky and not risky. Obviously, they had to make the trade because of Ratliff's injury. But Well, if they wanted to make the most of the window, yeah. Hmm. yeah. Kukoc himself was in a, a bit of a down year. He did actually average nearly 20 a game in his 17 games with Atlanta that year, which I had kind of forgotten about. I completely forgot until we talked about it. When was it? This week in sports? or I can't remember what it was. But, mm-hmm. yeah, we did discuss it at one point. Yeah. yeah. But Philly, as we said, clearly looking at the major prize. Matombo was one of the only guys who could even come close to playing Shaq one-on-one. The one time that Ratliff played the Lakers, Shaq put up 27, 26, and seven blocks. Mm. So a lot of big stats there. And look, Ratliff and Muhammad would have been a, a decent tandem, mm. but Dikembe, I mean, one of the great defenders of all time. Yeah. And look, as we say, the result is that he helps Philly get all the way to the finals, which they hadn't done since 83 at the time. So first time they'd done it in 18 years. And they also played the Lakers in 83, funnily enough. Yeah, right. Yes, but they won those ones. But look, Philly struggled the following season. They got knocked out in the first round by the Celtics and Matombo got moved on to the Nets. So very, very short-term turnaround for both of these teams. Now, I know he wasn't there long, Stewie, but when you look at the stats, okay, so a season and a half, effectively. And look, it was in the second half of his career, but he averaged a double-double, 11 and 12 and 11 and 11, basically with nearly two and a half blocks too. So they were, they were good years. What's funny with Dikembe is I completely forget that he played for New Jersey and New York. New York. Yeah, I remember that. I completely forget that. And obviously, backed up Yao Ming in Houston for several seasons, and that was a really good pairing as well. Before, but... before his knee gave out. Well, I mean, he was, what? For, well, yeah, 58 for that point. We don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 112. Yeah, well, yeah. We have no Methuselah, idea. Yeah. We have no idea, but... It was interesting though when he moves on to the Nets, he becomes a very integral part as the well, we'd say the backup center, I guess, for those Nets teams that again got all the way to the finals. And unfortunately for Paul Dikembe, had to play against 
the Lakers again. Yes, yeah, yeah. Caught another yeah. beating from Shaq. But... I can't believe I've forgotten that. It's just, yeah. I mean, I guess it was over 20 years ago. It was. Yeah. Atlanta, oh, they didn't make the playoffs once with Ratliff. Missed all but three games of the 0-1-0-2 season with an injury. A couple of seasons later, he was traded to the Blazers in a deal that actually facilitated one of the trades we'll talk about soon after Rashid Wallace came to Atlanta for about 25 minutes. Yes, and he was handy for Portland, but only a role player. Only a role player. Yeah. Pepe Sanchez, on the other hand, went on to win 17 MVPs and yeah. was one of the greatest players in NBA history. And for that reason, Atlanta wins the trade. <laughs> Obviously, Philly wins this trade. They didn't win the ultimate goal, but, I mean, they got to the finals, which is something Atlanta can't say they've done since, like, what, 19... 19- oh, it, hey, when there's 30 teams, making the finals is no small feat. Absolutely. 2003, some more big names here, Stewie. The Seattle Supersonics in what turned out to be towards the end of their tenure in Seattle, unfortunately, but they were there a little bit longer, traded Gary Payton and Desmond Mason to the Milwaukee Bucks for Ray Allen, Kevin Ollie, Ronald Flip Murray, and a conditional 2003 draft pick. No, we don't know who that was. No. No, not a big name player. This was a really good Milwaukee team on paper. Sam Cassell, Ray Allen, Anthony Mason, Michael Red, Tim Thomas, Tony Kukoc. But they were 27 and 26 at that stage. And Michael Red was a bit young at that point. Gary Payton was over the hill. Although his first year in Milwaukee was pretty good, actually. Yeah. Better than I remember looking at the numbers. True. Yeah. Anthony- but I think it's it's the ages and the mix there. I think yeah. you're right. On paper, had they all played together at their peaks. The problem was that a few of those players either hadn't reached their peak or were on the downswing. Yeah, and Anthony Mason was seen to be this huge signing, but it just didn't work out. Him and George Carl were at each other all the time. It just butting heads. It didn't work. So that would have been after Miami, I'm guessing? Uh, would have been, yeah. Yeah, okay, yeah. yeah. Now, they, this is an, another one. We, we spoke in the previous episode about that trade that happened between Cleveland and Phoenix, where they were actually playing against the team that night. This happened again in this one. So basically, Milwaukee were actually playing at Seattle the night the trade was made, and the Sonics held them to 58 points. Oh, gee. Absolutely blew them out. It was not a good era for NBA scoring, though, was it? Yeah. Things were starting to... No, there was still a good few years of bad scoring, yeah. There there was. But this trade allowed George Carl to play Peyton, Sam Cassell, and Michael Red. You know, something a little bit different. Allowed them to sort of play together. But it was supposed to make him better, and it didn't. And Peyton left for the Lakers at the end of the season. So yes. Not yep, good for Milwaukee. Chase a ring, basically. And it failed. Well, he never averaged more than 20 points again, and his steal and assist numbers quickly declined too. <laughs> Obviously, known for his steals, the glove. Yeah, he did get his championship in Miami in 2006. That's right, 06. That's right. But, uh, yeah, with Shaq. Definitely didn't work in LA. With, no. Didn't work in LA with Shaq. No. Well, but it's, it's funny because I remember being one of the few people that thought, I, rem- I literally remember in that season saying, Detroit can win this thing. I reckon Detroit can win this thing. And everyone was like, nah, the Lakers are going to win. Lakers are going to win. But it's this is the prime reason why you can't win championships on paper. Mm, very true. Carmelone was too busy hunting little Mexican girls. We're going to move on very yep, quickly. Yes, we are. <laughs> on very quickly. Yep. His own words, not mine. Yes, this is true. Seattle absolutely stunk that year. They were 22 and 30 at the time the trade was made. They weren't making the playoffs. Peyton was going to be a free agent at the end of the season. It was nearly 35 at the time. So they get Ray Allen, this dynamic scorer, a shooter that Peyton wasn't basically. He was seven years younger. It, it did seem like a bit of a no-brainer. 
He stayed with the Sonics for another four years. That was his best years, I reckon. Yeah. That was the peak of his career. Yep. I remember him having some really good... Uh, the Spurs had a difficult first-round series with them one year, and he had some a couple of 40s. Do you yeah. remember that ridiculous? I think it was a triple overtime game against Phoenix where he hit that long three. Vaguely. The buzzer. Yeah, uh, yeah. One, one dribble step in and... Vaguely. I do vaguely remember it. There you yeah. go. And the funny thing was with this, towards the end, the Sonics were still just shit enough that when they traded him to Boston for essentially Jeff Green and declining versions of Delonte West and Wally Zerbiak, the Sonics still managed to get the second pick, which became... KD. Kevin Durant. Yeah, he's now played on like five different teams, hmm. which is crazy. Is it even a question Seattle wins this one? Oh, huge. Big time. Pretty, pretty comfortable. <laughs> time, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, even with Ray Allen alone. <laughs> yeah, true. So 2004, Stewie, it's not quite as big as the last one, but it's still got to be talked about. Well, it has bigger implications. It does. It's the kind of the, the ripple effects, the domino effects. So the Detroit Pistons traded Lindsey Hunter, Chucky Atkins, and a 2004 first rounder, and Cage. Swing Cash. No, just Cage. Just Cage. She didn't play for Detroit, though. There you go. Not in 2004. Oh, maybe in 2004. Anyway, they didn't have the rights to the women's players, Stewie. Yes. And they were called the shock. Anyway, to the Celtics, as well as Zelcho Rabracha. Bobby Sura and a first rounder to the Hawks. The Celtics traded Mike James to the Pistons as well as Chris Mills to the Hawks while the Hawks traded Rasheed Wallace to the Detroit Pistons. And these are the ripple effects we're talking about because he was obviously a key cog on that very, very good team that beat the Lakers and lost to my Spurs. Could you say the Ripple Hamilton effect? Oh, yes, the Ripple Hamilton effect. Yeah. That's harder to say at full speed. I thought it was going to be. This trade has got so many moving parts in it. Obviously, we've got to start with Detroit. At the time, Detroit was a contender. They were a very good team. They just kind of couldn't get over the hump to that final level, I guess. And they'd put a good roster together, 50-win seasons, a couple of years in a row. They lose to Boston and New Jersey in the playoffs, which there's no shame to. Good teams. Very good teams. They had a lot of power forwards, though. And those power forwards were Danny Manning, who was quite old over at the, the time. Hill. Yep. Cliff Robinson, who was Uncle Cliffy. over the hill. Yeah, he was. May rest in peace. And they had rookie Mehmet Okur. Yes, they did too. And Don Reid. So Yeah, yeah so Don I mean, Reed. you're talking guys that weren't really ready. Mehmet Okur was good, but... Yep, stretch four. The other guys were not really going to contribute. So. No. Now, they acquired Corliss Williamson. They ultimately needed someone, though, who could be that starter. And getting Rashid, who... He actually did play one game with the Hawks, funnily enough. Yep. I think he scored like 20 points in 20 minutes or something. He like was that. a very good player. And he actually he has this with a trade from Portland. He actually got traded to Atlanta from Portland for Sharif Abdurrahim, Theo Ratliff, who we just talked yeah, about. Yeah, yep. And, Dan, and like I said, the same names keep turning up. And Dan Dickow, who, shout out to the Throwback Hoops guys. I know that they have a Dan Dickow jersey somewhere. I remember there. them talking about it. Yeah, Robbie, I think. Was I think Robbie's about got one, yeah. Yeah, so there yeah. You go. But Sharif, he never played for Portland, did he? Yeah. Really? Yeah. I only remember, Wow. So I remember the Grizz, then the Hawks. No, he definitely played at least at least one season. There you go. Well, it's funny how the memory fails. Just going to the third umpire, he played a season and a half. There you go. Yeah, okay. Before he went to Sacramento. There you go. Did he put up a decent numbers? Uh, so, I mean, the full season he played 16 and 7. So It's not bad. Not horrendous, but no. certainly not his numbers that you have with Vancouver. No. Or Atlanta. He was better at Atlanta too. Yes, he was. Bit definitely. of a cornerstone there. He was. Yeah. 
Now, Wallace was kind of seen as this guy who couldn't be controlled. Bit of a bad boy, if you will, funnily enough. Well, he was on those Jailblazer teams. But a bad boy going to Detroit. Yes. Oh, you're very good. Sorry. Sorry went yeah. over my head. Yeah, yeah. Whoosh. <laughs> this, is, this is a good 15 years after yeah. the bad boys, of course. This is true. Yeah. But Larry Brown actually managed to get Sheed to accept a reduced role. And that was one of the biggest parts in what is... I suppose, considered by a lot of people one of the biggest upsets in finals history. Certainly not you, but... Yeah, oh, look, it was an upset. It was definitely an upset, but you don't win championships on paper and chemistry is important. Yeah. Now, it's worth mentioning a couple of things with this trade. The 2004 first rounder that the Celtics got ended up being Tony Allen, who played a very important part in that Celtics. Grunt, two, yeah. That two, well, the 2008 Celtics and then also, yeah, the Memphis Grizzlies team. And the 2004 first rounder for the Hawks actually ended up being Josh Smith. Yeah, that's interesting. So two power forwards that probably didn't live up to their potential in Sharif Abdurrahim and Josh Smith. They've had a few of them. John Collins is on the, the trade block every season. Yeah. Abdurrahim was... <laughs> They're taking waiting lists for next year's trade block. I you know? think Sharif was better than Josh Smith. And look, people might disagree with that, but... Uh... Uh, yeah, I mean, Josh Smith was a better defender and shot blocker. Better dunker, more kind of athletic, yeah. but Sharif was solid. He was more versatile. Yeah. Look, I might get told otherwise, but I... Well, the throwback hoops boys, speaking of, they might have some different ideas for us. Yeah. They're bigger fans of the Hawks than us. So. That's how I see it anyway. But it's a really interesting trade, this one. It completely changed the landscape of the Eastern Conference for many, many years. And look, Detroit still win the trade because they win the championship, but it's good to see that both of those other teams managed to get something decent out of it. And as I say, I mean... Having Tony Allen there, look, he wasn't a key part of that championship in terms of a starting five guy, but he was a really good guy off the bench. You need role players. Yeah, that, that team had guys like Leon Poe and James Posey. Big this, Baby Davis. Sam Cassell was on that team for a little bit. PJ Brown. Yep. It had guys that were, were really, really good. A couple of interesting things also that come out of this. Larry Brown finally wins his NBA championship. Obviously had a great career, but that was the one thing that kind of eluded him. So that was fantastic. And also a big shout out to Sheed because he switches off Robert Ory when he hits that massive shot in game five the following season. <laughs> Detroit maybe go back to back if it's not for that. Well, I mean, that whole game from Robert Ory. Yeah, really, oh, so good. We talk about it a lot, but oh, yeah, that, so good. that fourth quarter in overtime from him was spectacular. Just superb. 2005, the now then... New Orleans Hornets, who are now the Pelicans, of course. <laughs> what do you mean by that? Well, now, they're, they're now New Orleans from Charlotte, but it was then because they're not the Hornets anymore. So the now <laughs> then... I'm so confused. <laughs> well, anyway, the, at the time, New Orleans Hornets <laughs> traded Baron Davis to the Golden State Warriors for Craig, Speedy, Claxton and Dale Davis. I thought it was Glenn that was Craig. Went to the third umpire on that one. Yep. But I was a big fan of Speedy Claxton. Obviously... Golden State win this trade. But I was a big fan of Speedy Claxton. You're also a fan of Claxton because he was really big in that New Jersey final series in 03. Yeah, yeah, he played with the Spurs and helped us win. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, same one with Kevin Willis, yeah. Yep. This is one of those trades, though, that actually had a ripple effect that lasted, at this stage, 18 years and counting. And it was a head-scratcher even at the time. Like, Baron Davis, not even a year removed from his second All-Star appearance, he's averaging 23, 7.5, and, and a league-leading 2.5 steals a game. Those Hornets teams were fun. They so fun. So much fun. Yeah. And then they somehow 
decide to trade him for bit players. I, I I don't get this one anyway. Yeah, and and Dale Davis had a good career, but it's over by now, nearly. I mean, well, yeah, he'd been around for well over a long time at this, probably, fifteen years, just yeah, about. Yeah, yeah, fifteen. Yeah. Look, Baron Davis, huge get for the Warriors team. They hadn't made the playoffs since '94. They hadn't won a single playoff game since '92. He didn't want to go to Golden State. That was the the interesting part. Baron's from LA, and he actually said, and I quote. It was like LA dudes and Bay dudes. The stereotype is like we didn't fuck with each other. So this was a, a real rival city sort of thing. I don't know if it was gang related. It probably was, but it was certainly maybe the mentality. I'm not saying he was in yeah. a gang, of course, but yeah, former UCLA Bruin, of course, yeah. And, and so being born in LA, he didn't want to go up to San Francisco and be in that Bay Area. Took a couple of seasons. Eventually, we saw that Davis, Stephen Jackson, Al Harrington, Monte Ellis, Jason Richardson, Matt Barnes, Andres Beardrins. Really good team. Had to rattle off that many guys. Oh, that was so good because that helped the Spurs win the championship that year. Yeah, that's true. Because the Dallas Mavericks were the number one seed. Didn't they win? They won like 60 or 67. You have it on your... I was going to say 66, so I was one off. Yeah, that was that was huge, the We Believe Warriors. Huge. Well, that was a team that... uh, Certainly for Dallas, I don't think many people thought they'd come up short of the finals. And obviously, they fell at the first hurdle with... Dirk Nowitzki winning MVP that year. and Yeah, I think they might have seen them losing in the conference finals, for example, but I don't think anyone had them losing in the first round. No, definitely yeah. not. And look, everyone remembers that Baron Davis dunk on Andre Kirilenko, the one where he nearly tears his jersey in half. <laughs> well, he had ups for a small guy. He did. Yeah. And, and the thing is, a lot of people also remember the Jazz dismantling the Warriors in five, but that series, I actually liken that a little bit to that Houston-Orlando series where... The series could have gone a whole different direction had a couple of things happened. A couple of bounces, yep. So game one was only a four-point win to Utah. So they're close. They're basically right there up until the last minute. Game two, the Warriors led by five with 35 seconds left. Michael Pietras misses two free throws. Davis misses one. He also missed a tough three at the buzzer to win it, and the Jazz win in overtime. So they make their free throws. They go on, and they probably win that game. And again, not saying they would have won the series, but one all going back home for two games is a very, very different proposition. And that's the Deron Williams, Carlos Boozer jazz. Yes. Very decent team. Andre Kirilenko. Yeah, AK-47. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, spectacular team. Yep. What's key about this trade, though, is that Davis left Warriors in 2008, which basically gave them one season to be utterly hideous and gained the position in the draft that landed them... Steph Curry. Steph Curry. Seventh pick, wasn't he? Uh, yeah, just behind Johnny Flynn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, the Minnesota Timberwolves. Sorry, Minnesota fans. Yeah. And four championships later, the rest is history. Yes, indeed. Well, I mean, they're not even done yet. No, well, potentially. They could put them off. They'll probably get friggin' Victor Wembanyama. Well, they could go either way, couldn't they? They could fall out of the play-in or they could... I, they should sneak into the play Should. Yeah. But Steph's injured, so yeah. you never know. Yeah. Dale Davis, on the other hand, 36, didn't play a single second for the Hornets before being released and going back to Indiana. Claxton played one and a half seasons with them, was pretty good in 05-06, but he then moves on. And But it took the Hornets three years and drafting Chris Paul before they even got back to the playoffs. And even so, they've only won two playoff series in their franchise's history. Advantage, Golden State. You can't help but wonder if this is a chemistry and or money dump situation. Maybe they thought that he wasn't worth the money. So he had, he had knee problems, Baron Davis? Uh, I don't know. I'm just trying to work this one out. Because had... like with Dale Davis over the hill and Speedy Claxton, I don't think anyone ever thought he had star potential. Like This is not a case of a player not living up to his potential. He was always going to be a role player and a handy role player and a good pure point guard. But yeah, 
I, I don't know. There must be more to this one. Yeah, look, you're right. It, it could easily have been something like he was going to be worth yeah. X millions of dollars going into the next season, and they just thought, well, fuck it. But it's another one where you look at it and you go, surely you can get more than Claxton and Dale Davis. You would have thought so. Surely. You would have thought so. Very, mate. Not the last time we'll talk about him, though, in this series. No, definitely not. 2008. Now, this one's really interesting because at the time it seemed really lopsided, but you could argue that it was actually quite even in the end. The Los Angeles Lakers acquired Pau Gasol and a second-round draft pick from the Memphis Grizzlies in exchange for Kwame Brown, Javaris Crittenden, Aaron McKee, two firsts, and the rights to Mark Gasol. The last two words of that are the only reason this is even close. Well, that's right. That's right. Wasn't Javaris Crittenden the involved in the yep. the gun thing? Yeah. Yep, he's in yeah. jail. Yeah, right. Yeah, but, I think he's still there. There you go. He was, uh, Yikes. Yeah, he was involved with, I think it was either a homicide or a murder. He was Yikes. a bad dude. Yeah, right. And I believe he was the guy that brought a gun into the locker room with Gilbert Arena. That's the one I'm time. talking about. That's the one I'm talking about. Oh, yeah, yeah. Was... In, in, um, in Washington. Yeah. You know, I was actually talking about he's in the middle of serving a 23-year sentence for manslaughter. Yikes. Which is, it's crazy. He's 35. Yeah. Like he's still only 35. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, this is a guy that, look, he was never going to be a superstar, but a guy that you've always felt could have been certainly a decent player. Speaking of, have you seen what's been going on with Alabama? No. Oh, former player Darius Miles involved in the shooting, potentially. Oh, shit. And Brandon Miller was allegedly involved. Apparently, he transported the gun in said crime allegedly and get this his pre-game ritual is him putting his arms out and another player patting him down Ooh. and since this he's played in two games and they've done that they've done that pre-game thing again yeah, wow. talk about tone deaf mm. unbelievable projected top five pick too but bloody hell well yeah 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 <laughs> Exactly. Anyway, sorry. Back to back to the history. So this is another one of those with the benefit of hindsight. Obviously, we know what Marcus Ol became. Three-time All-Star, 2015 All-NBA First Team, 2013 Defensive Player of the Year. Oddly, on the second All-Defensive Team that year, though. But at the time, he was this pudgy Euroleague guy. Not even really like he was a a good player over there. Not really a star, though. We well, didn't come across to the NBA till he was nearly 26 or 25 or something, mid 20s. Came over a, yeah, a fair bit later. Yeah. The Grizzlies took one of the biggest busts in the league, though, in this trade in Kwame Brown. They took a guy who averaged less than eight minutes a game in Crittenson, Aaron McKee, who only actually signed with the Lakers so that they could include him in the trade before he was waived by the Grizzlies and never played again. That would explain why I have no recollection of him playing for either the Lakers or Grizzlies. I remember him playing for the Lakers. I just don't remember him yeah, with the Grizzlies because, yeah, he didn't play. The two first-round picks ended up being Dante Green and Grievous Vasquez, all in exchange for a guy who was averaging 20 and 10 right in the middle of his prime. Like, it just looked hideous at the time. So I guess if you look at what the Grizzlies got back for this, they got 15 games from Kwame Brown, they got 35 from Crittenton, they got zero from McKee, zero from Green, and 70 from Vasquez before he got traded for Quincy Pondexter, of all people. Oh, yeah. So they really got nothing. And you look at it and you say, thank Christ Mark Gasol ended up being amazing. Like this would have been probably the worst trade of all time had he not turned out to be great. Is it the one and only time brothers have been traded for one another? Uh, likely. It's got to be, surely. It's got to be likely. Jordan Dominic were never traded. Horace and Harvey weren't traded. Yeah. yeah, interesting. I have one somewhat interesting stat, though, to back up how unlikely it is that Gasol ended up being really good. And this being obviously Mark, not Powell. 
Pick 48 has yielded just two All-Stars in the history of the league. Gasol and Cedric Sabalos. Ah, there you go. All right. Only two guys. And Sabalos was, I want to say, moderately lucky to make it. He certainly wasn't a guy who would have been a walk-up starter All-Star most seasons. Yeah, he had one All-Star uh, jersey. But the thing is, even as good as Gasol was, the Grizzlies only got past the conference semifinals once and the Spurs swept them in 2013. That's good. Well, it's good for you. It's not good for Memphis. Was Gasol on the team when Memphis beat us in the 1-8 yes. matchup that year? Well, yep. there you go. Yeah, I remember him hitting a corner three to basically seal that. If oh, you I remember correctly. being very disappointed about that one. Now, Also, I've got to say, Pau Gasol should have won finals MVP in 2010 when Kobe won it, when he had that horrible yes. game seven. Yep, I agree. Horrible. I agree until And uh, I mean, even you could probably make a strong case for... Meta World Peace or whatever the fuck he's called these days. Run our test. Meta Sandalford yeah. Peace or whatever. It was a Sandalford or Sandalford, I think it was. Oh, there you go. Yeah, it was like right. set, yeah, Sandalford Artes, whatever it is. Anyway. Yeah. Anyway, Kobe was gifted that finals MVP. And it's another reason why when we talked earlier about Duncan being ahead of him, I think it's legit. Because Kobe post Shaq was not quite as good. That's fair. Anyway. So Gasol, as we know, all-star the next three seasons. He and Kobe took the Lakers to finals in 08. 09 and 10. They won two of those as well. The Lakers went on to be not a dynasty as such, but... Had a couple of really good years, yeah. The post-Shack mini dynasty, basically. And the thing that I found really interesting about this was that when you consider that the league vetoed that Chris Paul trade three years later, which was way more fair than this deal, how this trade was even allowed by the league, I don't know. Well... The league doesn't tend to step in. So we've talked about the 10 step in rule and, and we would look at that again. Yes, in they future. should have stepped in. Well, the thing is, though, they don't tend to step in. The, the reason the Chris Paul deal was nixed is because they didn't have an owner at the time. Well, the and owner. David Stern the was technically the owner. No. So it is a very different situation. Yeah. So no. so I, I know what you're saying in isolation, but zooming out a little bit, it does make a little bit more sense. But when you consider, like, if you just said the rights to pick 48 and it just happens to be Mark Gasol, that trade on paper looks so bad. Oh, it does. Because Kwame had already, everyone already knew by that point that Kwame was at best a role player. So they knew he wasn't living up to that number one pick potential. So yeah, it's an interesting one. It, it really is. Now here's another really juicy one, Stewie, and you've already talked about it a little bit. 2008, the New Jersey Nets traded Jason Kidd and Malik Allen to the Dallas Mavericks for Devin Harris, Devin George, Jerry Stackhouse, Desagana Diop, Morris Ager, and the 2008 and 2010 first round picks that became Ryan Anderson and Jordan Crawford. Maurice Ager. Huge, <laughs> huge part of that. This guy, Jop, remember him? Playing on those Cleveland teams? <laughs> yeah, true. Yeah. This was like the Nets fully going rebuild. They brought in a guy who was 10 years younger than Kid in Harris, several expiring contracts in George and Deal. The Mavericks needed someone to facilitate a little bit more than Harris did. Well, on the flip side, you could say this is the Mavs going all in on on championship chasing. Certainly giving themselves a small window because they didn't win the championship for another three seasons, basically. But Kid was on that team. But Kid was on that. And the biggest prize, as we said, that's the win over Miami in 2011. Dallas had kind of, I don't want to say a band of misfits, but that team was really interesting. You had guys like... Sean Marion and Jason Terry, Deshaun Stevenson, Pajas Stoyakovich, Tyson Chandler, all of these guys that were, they weren't sort of rejected, but they were guys that their prime was maybe over. Like Marion was past his days in Phoenix and 
uh, Tyson Chandler was kind of getting on a little bit. Stoyakovich wasn't the guy. Oh, no, Pedro wasn't even close. And Tyson Chandler, never another one of those guys that never lived up to his potential. Because I remember going back talking about when we used to follow the league largely through the internet because there weren't a lot of games on. I remember they were salivating, absolutely salivating for Eddie Curry and Tyson Chandler. And neither of them even came close to living up to the expectations that were were put on them. So, Mm. yeah. Now, the Nets were absolutely shit house. They actually punctuated that with a 12 and 70 season in 2009 10, which I'd forgotten about. And they basically had to mortgage their future trading for Kevin Garnett, Paul Pierce, and Jason Terry just to win one playoff series. But we do know where the Nets are right now. The Nets are one of the most fascinating teams of the last 20 years when you think about it, because to make that horrible trade, and look, they were great players, but they were well past it, and they gave up so much to get them. When I when I say that, I mean KG and Paul Pierce. Well, Terry was good too, but they nearly turned it around. Mm. They nearly turned it around. They had a team with KD, Kyrie, and James Harden. It's just, it's crazy. But yeah, you're right. Now, I mean, now it's Cam Thomas and Mikael Bridges. Woo! And Spencer Dinwiddie. Well. And lots of draft picks. It's well, anyway, we've talked about that trade. Yeah. Anyway, look, we know obviously, yeah, Dallas wins that trade easily because they get a championship. Dirk gets to kind of solidify himself as a, a real legend of the game with that. And beat a very good Miami team, of course. Yes. Too. The heat, the first year of the Heatles. The first year of the Heatles after the decision. Now, this one, we're bringing this one up. It's not massive, but you could argue that it turned out very well for one player and kind of maybe reset or almost push-started his career in a sense. The Orlando Magic traded Adonnell for Mike Wilkes and a 2009 first-rounder to the Grizz. The Magic traded Brian Cook to the Rockets. The Rockets ended up with Brian Cook from the Magic and Kyle Lowry from the Grizz. And the Rockets traded Rafa Alston to the Orlando Magic. Yeah, I just wanted to quickly mention this one. Like When Lowry got drafted by the Grizzlies, he was a fair way down the pecking order for the point guards. Like They had Damon Stoudemire, they had Chucky Atkins, and... He broke his hand 10 games into his rookie season as well. And so the the year after that, the Grizzlies draft Mike Conley and committed to his development and pretty much Lowry's on the outs. And so he decided, well, I want out of here. They trade him onto Houston. It allows him to grow under Rick Adelman. Ultimately, he gets sent to Toronto where he becomes the six-time All-Star 2019 champion. And it's actually a forgotten member of the 2016 Olympic gold medal team. Yeah, well, there were some misfits, weren't there? Like, Well, not misfits. There were some second and third tier players Mm. on some of those championship or or medal teams. Yeah. Yeah. And this trade actually worked out fairly well for the Magic as well because Rafer Olsen actually ended up starting for them as they went to the finals. Skip to my loo. Yeah, Jimmy and Nelson had been injured and so they needed him. And look, they lost that series 4-1 to the Lakers, but Olsen played fairly well. He wasn't great in the finals, but he'd been pretty good for them most of the season. So... A handy point guard, yeah. Yeah. And Larry, Larry was one of those players that was always talked about as having a lot of potential. He never really unlocked it till he went to Houston. And then even better in Toronto. Yes. Yeah. 